0: Your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns.
1: All right, welcome everybody to the Locked On Longhorns podcast right here in the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. Follow the show LO underscore Longhorns on Twitter. You can also follow my co-host, Cammy at CammieAngie. And today we have a special treat on the podcast. We're going to play the first portion of the 2020 Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. This is the culmination of every host on the Locked On Podcast Network NFL channel, many hosts on the college. You know, it's going from the draft network, the host of locked on NFL draft, the draft dudes. Now, this mock draft is not the same as in recent years that you might look at it and read where it's based on what people think their teams would do. This is more about what they want their teams to do on draft day. So there's gonna be trades, surprises. College hosts providing player profiles uh, on all 32 teams, even teams without a first round selection. It's a uh, it's a big deal that we're doing right here on the Locked On, long, uh, I'm sorry, Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, the mock draft special started on Friday, April 10th, and it's airing all the way through Friday, April 17th. So be sure to subscribe to the Locked On. NFL on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so you don't miss a show. And even if you do, just go back and check the archive. So without further ado, uh, we're going to get into the podcast. And that segment on the mock draft will come up a little bit later in the show. But Cammie, full show. Sorry for such a a long intro today. Uh, Let's get into those NFL draft plans. It, It looked like that they released the... Plans for the NFL draft to be aired. Uh, what did you take away from the from the plans?
2: Yeah, it looks like we're finally getting an idea of how they're going to go about organizing this. Um, it looks like ABC, ESPN, and NFL Network will actually work together to bring coverage to the NFL draft this year. Although it will all be virtual. ESPN and NFL Network will actually combine their coverage to offer a singular presentation across both networks, but ABC will actually have their own coverage for rounds one through three and then simulate their coverage for rounds four through seven with ESPN and NFL Network. And the telecast will be from ESPN's Connecticut studios. Obviously, it's not going to be on site. Um, It will have a limited number of commentators there in studio While the rest of the analysts and reporters will contribute remotely from their homes and NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell will be introducing the picks from his home as well. So I think this is really their only option amidst the unfortunate circumstances everyone is experiencing right now. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. I'm glad they're putting forth the effort to try and make this moment as enjoyable as possible for both the players and teams.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm excited because of, Rich Eisen back on ESPN. I, I'm excited about that. I love Rich Eisen. He was great on ESPN with the NFL network. He's doing his own thing with his podcast. You know, so he's, I'm a big fan of Rich Eisen. So I'm glad to see that. Um, it's I, what I'm really happy about is with the NFL draft coming up in the coverage, we have some normalcy. You know what I mean? You know, in this, in this time of the pandemic COVID-19 coronavirus, you know, all of our sports has essentially been taken away from us. So this is our first opportunity to have some have a sports related time that we can all come together have fun you know watch the draft go oh I didn't like that pick or you know in years past I know you included we've done draft parties and whatnot it's gonna be a little different this year but I'm still excited about the draft what about you?
2: Yeah, I'm really excited. And I keep thinking about it from kind of a player's aspect because, you know, it's like one of the biggest moments um, in your career and it might be uh, several players dreams to kind of walk up on stage and hear your name called and take a picture with, uh, obviously, Roger Goodell with the jersey and things like that. So, um, I kind of feel bad for players who probably looked forward to that specific moment, but at the same time, when you think of a few of the recent NFL drafts, uh, Baker Mayfield, for example, number one overall pick, he had his kind of virtual at home, although it was a party at home. It probably won't be that large this year, but um, I think it was kind of leaning towards that virtual way, um, kind of being close to your family, loved one, friends, things like that um, to get to see where you're going to be selected. So. I'm hoping they can still have a fun moment like that, but I know there's about, they released about 30 or so names that I think will kind of be live uh, virtually throughout the draft uh, that we can kind of keep an eye on and see them celebrate and things like that. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. My big question here, and you know, it's unfortunate they're not going to get to have their picture taken or have that moment in the green room or, you know, however they were going to do the draft, but Is ESPN going to insert some booing tracks (laughs) because, you know, I I just feel like that's a tradition now, you know, Roger Dell comes out, he opens up the draft, people start booing him. So it's like, hey, are you all still going to do that or what?
2: I know, and I'm kind of going to miss the fan reaction because you know, um, everyone who shows up live to the actual on-site NFL draft, there's always like some cheers and some boos, depending on what the selection is at the time. So I think that's something you can't really replace when it's not live. But I do agree that it's it seems like it's the only sporting event in general, but um, one of the only events that's kind of on schedule, or I guess is kind of um, being released on time, or things like that. So. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure everyone's going to be tuning into this. There's really uh, nothing else going on at the moment. So I think their viewership will be a uh, fairly large.
1: I do believe it's going to be fairly large and it's going to be a fun event. I'm excited about it. But let's get into something that's a little different. Spring numbers, or I'm sorry, spring Jersey numbers have been released for the Texas Longhorns players for the early enrollees. How do you feel about Hudson card wearing number one?
2: Uh, yeah, that one, I'm I'm still thinking about that, actually. So I know this was released yesterday. And um, the school's official website actually released these New Jersey numbers for the eight new faces who enrolled early for the spring, although there is no spring right now. Um, but yeah, quarterback Hudson Card at number one was kind of the only weird number to me, I would say. Um, I know the majority of people Um, And Austin have high hopes regarding Card to be the future at the quarterback position. And so it's hard to kind of picture him uh, being the signal caller as number one. Not sure how I feel about that, but I guess it's better than something like 15, for example. But um, the other seven are defensive tackle uh, Vernon Broughton at number 48, safety Xavier Alford at number 23, safety Jaron Thompson is number 28, offensive lineman Jake Majors is 73, Receiver Troy Armiri is number 82. Offensive lineman Logan Parr is number 71. And defensive tackle Goran Welch is number 91. So I think the rest kind of fit in terms of their position numbers. I think receiver at number 82 could be a tight end number, but that's probably just me thinking about Jason Witten. Um, But I love the two safety numbers. If I had to pick probably my favorite jersey numbers, it would be both um, Alfred and Thompson at 23 and 28 as safeties.
1: You know, I think Alfred's is the best, you know, number 23, you know, as a, as a guy who grew up, you know, in a, in an era when they didn't really air many NBA games, you know, I had uh, WGN. So I got to watch lots, lots of Michael Jordan growing up. So 23 is always going to be a number that I really love. 28 is good. You know, as a guy who grew up watching the Cowboys and, and Darren Woodson, I think 28 is a great safety number. Uh, I think Carr needs to change his number to four. I think it, four is a good Ooh,
2: number. Ooh, I would like that.
1: I'm I'm a number four guy. It's that's my number. You know, it's the number I wore when I played sports. So I'm a big number four guy. So I think Hudson should go with number four.
2: I think that uh, would fit him well.
1: I I think so. You know, but you know, the numbers are you know one thing in the spring. You know, it's it's far too often we see him wear one number and then by the time season rolls around, they're wearing a completely different number.
2: Right, or uh, by the time they're actually um starting and kind of have a bigger name and fill for the position, he might be able to swap as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I th- I think you're right there. I mean, we we've, we've seen that time and time again, so it's not a big deal. Uh the only one that I didn't really like is the defensive end in the 40s. I'm I'm not a big fan of defensive ends wearing I think they should wear an, in the 90s. I, I I don't know, maybe it's yeah, i I'm agree. 40 old is school kind
2: of odd for a defensive tackle.
1: I mean, and I, and I and I know or defensive end and I know or is he defensive tackle?
2: The defensive tackle is the number
1: forty eight. Right, 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 And I was also thinking of a Sai who's gonna be rushing the passer wearing number forty six, which I know forty six has mm-hmm. been a linebacker number for years at Texas. I just I look at it and go, nah, you gotta yeah, wear in the seventies or nineties for me. I don't know. I'm just I guess I'm old school that way. I you know, when I look at professional football and that's how they do it. So that's kinda of how I look at it. And I know college is a different breed. I mean, you got pass rushers wearing single digit numbers, so you know. Uh, It is what it is. Uh, All right, so let's talk about quarterbacks. Since we're talking about Hudson Card, Jalen Milrow uh, is a hard commit to Texas. Uh, He's been a guy that we've talked about in the past, Under Armour game coming up for him this next year, hopefully, uh, provided they still have that game. Now, there's another suitor that is pushing hard for Jalen Milrow.
2: Yes, unfortunately, but Alabama is actually pushing pretty hard to land Milroe right now. I've seen several reports come out recently um, about Milroe being a major target for them in the 2021 class. He is kind of a consistent consensus four-star prospect he's a top 100 player nationally in the 2021 recruiting class Um, he's the number 11th player in the nation according to 24-7 sports he's number five at a dual threat quarterback position in the nation for that class so he's obviously a highly sought after prospect, even though he's already committed to the Longhorns. But it's interesting for me here because Alabama already has a very highly rated quarterback in his class. I think um, Bryce Young is kind of the future at Alabama. I know there is high hope surrounding Hudson Card at Texas for him to kind of take over that future quarterback role. But I think if and I guess in Milrose shoes, I would probably pick Texas because I think that's his biggest um, chance at becoming a starter and um, probably more of a competition battle that he can win. But I guess you never know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough when you talk about all the young talent that they have and Alabama obviously has a lot. Uh, Texas does, too. But, you know, w- when you look at a kid like, you know, Bryce Young at, at Alabama, he's the eventual starter. Uh, just a matter of time of when at Texas, it's a little more open up. I mean, we expect Hudson card to be there to Jackson, Jalen Milrow, Casey Thompson. I mean, they got quarterbacks. Uh, So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think like you said, it's probably a better option for him to stay with Texas. And, but I'm just going to be honest. I don't think Texas should be worried. I think Milrow is, is pretty locked in uh, down in Austin. And as long as Tom Herman is there next season, don't see any reason right. why he shouldn't be. I, I don't see a reason why they should worry. But uh, coming up next, we're going to get into some updates about Ellinger. Uh, and uh, former quarterback Shane Bouchelle is also making the news. All right, Cammie. So uh, Texas football Twitter account created a video of every touchdown featuring Ellinger from the 2019 season. If you had to pick one touchdown that was memorable, just one, Uh, which one would you pick?
2: Okay, I'm probably going to pick one that most people won't. And um, it was actually his longest touchdown pass of the season. I believe it was 75 yards to Devin DuVernay. Um, I believe it was against Texas Tech at home in the rain. I was at that game. That was memorable for me. Dubernay was just wide open downfield, and that was an absolutely beautiful throw. So that's probably the one I would pick. But, I mean, he accounted for 39 total touchdowns, so there are several to choose from. What about you?
1: I'm going to give the big man some love. How about his touchdown pass to Sam Cosme?
2: Ooh, yeah, that's, that's definitely memorable.
1: I, I, yes, it was memorable. It's always fun to see, uh, especially when you get a big guy scoring a touchdown. And, you know, how, how many times is Cosme actually going to have that opportunity to score there?
2: Right. And I loved his celebration as well. You could just see the pure excitement, uh, or I, I should say genuine excitement, because that's obviously something that's very, very rare. And um, it kind of happened at, at a big moment as well. So it was exciting.
1: Yeah, big moment against West Virginia. Um, you know, it's, it's always fun to see like I said, see the big man score, you know, they don't get enough love. They don't get enough of the publicity. I mean, they, they go to work every day and they're there to protect your quarterback. And, and I think a lot of people, they kind of take for granted what the offensive line is able to do provided, you know, your quarterback's not being sacked very often. They they don't get the love. Uh, so it's nice to see uh big Sam Cosme who is returning next season. Um, excited for him. Cause I think he has a real shot at, at, really pushing into that first round conversation if he decides to go to the draft after next season. Uh, so let's get into this. Recently on a live chat with head coach Tom Herman, uh, he got into some updates on Sam Ellinger and uh, kind of that issue that he'd been dealing with all offseason.
2: Yeah, he was kind of dealing with a rib issue it sounded like that um, kind of prevented him from doing some of the conditioning exercises and workouts that they were going through but herman uh, reiterated recently that he's been kind of having these doctor's appointments virtually um, via video and things like that, where they're asking him to bend certain ways and push certain areas. And uh, they basically determine that he's perfectly healthy. That um, Herman even mentioned if there was a game tomorrow, he would be starting. He would have absolutely zero concerns about his play. So it looks like he's completely past that injury. Um, the hope is that obviously he doesn't re aggravate that moving forward or get hit in that particular spot. So um, at the moment, it's positive news that he's good to go.
1: Well, that is definitely good news uh i th- I believe he said that he had he would have zero issues with spring as well uh, you know, so it looks like he's good to go and and that's good because Texas needs a healthy Sam Ellinger leading them in twenty twenty as they try to dethrone the oklahoma sooners and and Baylor Bears from the uh, from the big twelve championship from a season ago. Uh, they need to be one of those top two teams, in my opinion, uh, really to to move forward and to get Texas back where they need to be. Uh, so let's get into something else that Sam Ellinger is doing. Uh, you know, off the heels of, of Trevor Lawrence creating a GoFundMe, uh, Sam Ellinger decided that he was going to take the mantle uh, following uh, Lawrence having to take down his GoFundMe, and, and he got everything approved. Where – Is Sam Ellinger at right now in correlation to his $1 million goal?
2: Yeah, so it's been about a couple of weeks, and he set the goal at $1 million, which is obviously a high goal, but I can kind of see his reasoning for um, going with the high number there. But he's currently at $88,000 raised, which is fabulous in itself, but he plans to actually donate to both locally and nationally, um, such as the Boys and Girls Club of America and Central Texas Food Bank. So $88,000 is definitely something to be proud of.
1: Oh, it absolutely is something to be proud of. And in this day and age right now where, you know, life has kind of been interrupted and some people can't work and whatnot, I, I think 88000 is is a pretty big number. Um, but o- outside of that, uh, Sam Ellinger was in a position battle with Shane Bouchelle a few years ago. Now Shane has moved on and he went to SMU and become the starting quarterback. Now he's doing something very similar and he's also raising a GoFundMe with his girlfriend for the Dallas area.
2: Yeah, and I think Shane Bichelle couldn't have landed in a better spot at SMU in Dallas. Obviously, he he had a fantastic season uh, with the Mustangs last year, and he's returning again this coming up year. But him and his girlfriend Paige Vasquez actually set their GoFundMe goal um, at one hundred thousand dollars, and within about a little over a week, they've raised around thirty thousand dollars right now, and they plan to donate to the City of Dallas Emergency Assistance Fund. So I'm happy for his success over there and also what he's doing off of the field. So I think the position battle between Ellinger and Buschel was very close, but I think Ellinger just had those intangibles that are super rare in a quarterback that you just don't find often. I think he was a little bit better of a leader and a little bit more vocal. So um, obviously they parted on great ways. I know um, Herman and Buschel are still very close. Ellinger and Buschel are still very close. So I'm happy that it worked out this way.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it it was inevitable, I think, for Ellinger to become the starting quarterback eventually. And you know, I know they were bouncing back and forth, but you're right about He landed in a great spot. Um, you know, I think it's it's good for him, and uh, you know, so I'm happy for both of them. And I think it's great what they're doing, and and I love the leadership from both of them. Uh, but uh, coming up next, uh, we are going to get into. The NFL Draft podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network.
3: They've been playing the game their entire life. From the playground,
4: I promise to exercise and eat right.
3: Don't
5: forget sixty minutes of play a day, right?
4: I'm playing the NFL. Yes, sir. Be draft number
5: one. Maybe to their high school. That's here, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts.
6: Let's go play some football. Let's go. To the university.
7: We have 95 players here, so accomplished as athletes in high school, we gave them full scholarships to the best football program in the country.
3: Now their lives are about to change forever. Become your mom's favorite player. Whoa. This is Locked On NFL, and this is the Locked On Podcast Network, Mock Draft. Welcome to the 2020 Locked On NFL Mock Draft special. Brian Peacock here alongside former NFL scout Matt Williamson. We will take you through the first round plus in a network-wide mock draft. All 32 teams represented, even those without first-round picks. Hosts making picks for the teams they cover. Our friends from the college side of the network with profiles on each one of these prospects that get selected in the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special, why they are considered worthy of first round selections and analysis from my co-host, Matt Williamson, as well as draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino and the Locked On NFL Draft Crew, Trevor Sykema and Ben Solak. If you're listening to this kickoff episode on a team specific podcast, you can follow along all week, every pick throughout round one, On the Locked On NFL channel, teams are talking trades, so you may not know exactly where your team ends up selecting. We'll conclude this draft next Friday, checking in with those teams in round two who didn't select in the opening stanza, some of which might jump into round one before it's all finished, and recapping everything that went down all week long. Matt, I'm pumped. Are you ready to do this thing?
7: I'm very ready to do this thing. This is a very cool event I think people will enjoy it. We've had so many new subscribers since last year that didn't get to enjoy it. So you're in for a treat. You're in for a wild ride and a really well put together whole situation here starting right now.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And it was one of the most popular, it was the most popular show on the NFL side of the network last year. And I expect it to be even bigger and better and the way things are right now in the world. And wherever you are listening to this podcast, I hope you are well. And I hope this is something fun for you to listen to All week long, Matt, as the Cincinnati Bengals go on the clock with the opening selection in the locked on NFL mock draft, you've been through this. What are teams doing in preparation, the final days and minutes leading up to the first pick for those specific teams?
7: Well, this year, who the heck knows? I mean, (laughs) I'm sure that there's things like, you know, the the electronics or or the IT people are coming to everyone's homes to make sure everything works, checking, double checking doing all that kind of stuff we mentioned before, you know, maybe you could run mock drafts in terms of let's try to just do a a whole walkthrough basically of how this thing's going to work. If we're going to make a trade, who's in charge of calling this team, et cetera, et cetera. But honestly, in in the olden days and the not 2020 draft, most of the hay is in the barn really a day or two before the draft. I mean, you might be calling, agents of your favorite people to make sure that prospects didn't fall down the stairs or that knee that you're worried about isn't (laughs) flaring up but for the most part things should be done a couple days before the draft
3: let's check in with some of our analysts here on the network we have a pair of nfl draft shows draft dudes kyle krabs and joe marino
5: It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Dudes Podcast, and let me just tell you, as a couple of Draft Dudes, we are really excited for this Locked On Podcast Network draft simulation where each host is going to make the picks for their team, and uh, I know it's not the real thing, but it's pretty damn close, and this draft promises to be very exciting with all the dynamics between the teams with multiple first-round picks and all the quarterbacks. So, Kyle, uh, I'm sure you're just as excited as I am.
8: Yeah, the big mystery here is, from the quarterback perspective, how many can we get to go early? And then the other fascinating subplot is, when does the offensive tackle run start, and how fast does it go? Because there's generally considered to be four top offensive tackles, there's generally considered to be three top quarterbacks, Maybe a fourth with Jordan Love if he sneaks in there remains to be seen. And the order of all seven of those players who are feasibly top 12 talents coming off the board is going to be a really interesting scenario to see how it actually plays out here.
5: I think just as interesting as the offensive tackle discussion is the wide receiver. Everybody knows this is a really deep and talented crop of receivers, but there's really exciting guys at the top of the board. You know, could we see six, seven, eight guys go off the board in the first round? When does that run start? And uh who are those late first round guys that uh teams that, you know, like the Packers or or like the Saints and Eagles and, and Vikings, who do they get? if they are uh, left kind of picking the later half of those top-tier pro- prospects. So uh, offensive tackles, quarterbacks, wide receivers, the NFL is a passing league, and you can tell that this um, this draft is going to really help these offenses be more dynamic.
8: Yeah, it's a deep class, and we're going to have a lot of opportunities to see players that in a typical class are probably off the board by 20 they might be lingering here in the late first round, early second round. So lots to look forward to, lots to get into. Looking forward to see how these teams start their drafts. Hey
4: everybody, Trevor Sykema and Benjamin Solak from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast here with you. Excited to go on this journey of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. Ben, this is going to be a lot of fun. There's so many things that could happen in this mock draft. What are you looking forward to most?
9: Yeah, it's always nice when you're able to get 32 guys, each of whom knows their team as well as the host and the Locked On Podcast Network do, and they can control for their pick. And then you have the freedom for things like trade negotiations as the pick comes off the board. You have the ability for surprises as each individual analyst focuses on their guys. I think, number one, we're not. it's not going to be a typical mock. It's not going to be like what we no, see. No, definitely When not. only one person controls all 32 teams, there's going to be a lot more aggressive moves. So I expect to see big trade-ups I expect to see surprising picks and that's that's the reality with these when you're controlling just that one team you go and get your guy that's what we see in the league I guess that's what we'll be seeing in this mock as well
4: I'm really interested to see how the offensive tackles go here in the first round because it's just the possibilities are endless we saw that in our guest mock draft series that we're doing on our podcast but I mean what other positions are, are big ones quarterback
9: wide receiver probably right Well, I think, yeah, I think that when you're making these sorts of picks and it's it's catered to your audience for your podcast, you're tempted sometimes to go for those sexier positions. And the sexy position in this draft is undoubtedly wide receiver. So to me, I'm really interested to see. We know the big three will come off the board and Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs who's wide receiver four, who's wide receiver five, and just how many can we fit in this first round?
4: Ooh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Ben and I are going to be back with you recapping a lot of these picks throughout the mock draft. I'm very excited, so let's get it started.
3: Okay, Matt, we're here. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Is there any doubt what the Bengals should do here? They earned the right through their poor play in the 2019 season to be drafting number one overall on everybody's list. It seems to be the same name, the same prospect that should go first overall, if their phone is ringing, should they even be answering it or do they know who the pick will be with the first overall selection in this draft?
7: I mean, you answer it. And if someone offers you a godfather like offer, you consider it and you still might not even say yes. I mean, I think Burrow is the super prospect. He would go first in almost every draft, you know, nine out of 10 years, that's a gift, and the Bengals need it. He's an Ohio guy. They need to sell tickets. They need to sell jerseys. The offense that he falls into isn't in that bad a shape as first overall selections go. So I think it's kind of could too good to be true.
3: All right. With that, this draft is underway. Let's go to the hosts of Locked On Bengals and get the pick for Cincinnati, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. <laughs>
0: The first overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals, easily and without second thought, select Joe Burrow. In fact, Joe, we received no calls in the war room for the number one pick. I guess everyone just knows not to ask.
10: And I don't think we would have considered any offers anyway. So we make this pick. This pick has really been made since maybe be late December when the Bengals lost to the Miami Dolphins in week 16 of the regular season and clinched their first overall pick. Joe Burrow went on a tear in the playoffs after that. And the Bengals will finally get a franchise quarterback. First time they've drafted number one since 2003 when they drafted Carson Palmer out of USC. They're in that position again. The roster has been turned over on the defensive side through free agency. And I think they're looking at this squarely of saying Our Super Bowl window opens again if we draft Joe Burrow number one in 2020.
0: That's right. The Bengals don't just spend money to spend money. This is a strategic injection of funds into the defense to make themselves competitive while they have Joe Burrow on his rookie deal for five years. He's, of course, expected to come in and be a day one starter in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton is still on the roster, but will not be on the roster by the time training camp comes around. He might not even be on the roster by the time the draft is finished. We are looking openly to trade Andy Dalton for whatever assets we can recover. And if that doesn't work out, he'll be cut before Joe Burrow shows up for rookie camp or for the first offseason activity that we're allowed to hold with these rookies this summer. Joe, how much better does Joe Burrow make this team?
10: Well, the quarterback is the most important position, and I think we're looking at a guy coming off a historic college football season that many have said is the best passing performance throughout a whole season in the history of college football. What does he do better than Andy Dalton? Andy Dalton has been the Mendoza line for starting quarterbacks in the league for a long time, and I feel like all of the skills you look for typically when you look at college quarterbacks, usually they are the big guys with the strong arms going near the top, and you say, can they function in the pocket? Do they have accuracy? How's their IQ? How's their processing? Uh, How do they do off script? All the questions you normally go into tape asking with Joe Burrow, those are all the answers you have with him based on tape and based on what he showed this past year. All of those things are not in question. He has them in spades. It's the arm strength, right? That's the only area you really question. And I would say it's very similar to Andy Dalton. So it should be an upgrade in almost every area of quarterbacking, Other than that, and that's okay, because when you look at the best quarterbacks in the league over the last 20, 25 years, whether it's Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees, they all had those other features in their game without having a cannon for an arm.
6: Simply put, Joe Burrow is the most influential recruit in LSU football history. And leading the Tigers to the 2019 National Championship, Burrow was fantastic, shattering school records and setting national marks that may not be touched. 5,671 yards and 60 touchdown passes for Burrow while completing 76% of his passes. His arm strength won't wow you, but Joe Burrow makes up for it everywhere else. His decision-making is elite, just six interceptions on the 2019 season he's the son of a coach and a film room junkie there's a story about LSU beating Alabama getting back to Tus from Tuscaloosa to Baton Rouge and when Joe Brady the passing game coordinator got to LSU football ops that night to go get the cut-ups of the film Burrow had already beaten him there Burrow has very underrated athleticism. Not only was he a high school quarterback, he was also a high school basketball player and his ability to move the chains with his feet is something that many have overlooked throughout this process. Burrow is a fierce competitor whose teammates love him, who rises in the biggest moments Should Joe Burrow stay healthy, he will have a long, prosperous NFL career as a franchise quarterback. This is Matt Moscona of Locked on LSU, your source for LSU and SEC content every day.
3: All right, Matt, there's the pick. Joe Burrow goes number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, and there's a lot to like about Joe Burrow. I think maybe if you're nitpicking, you can find some knocks here and there about Arm strength, which in some cases is completely overrated. And uh, I, I like what was said by many smart NFL people in the past that the quarterback position isn't so much played with your arm once you get to the NFL level. It's played from the neck up. And I think that's where Joe Burrow really shines.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And he, he is a good athlete. He has a remarkable head and poise and confidence for the game, processing, accuracy, He does not have a power arm. And that worries me a little bit, considering the area of the country he's going to when it's sleeting and windy and, you know, in the NFC North and late in the year. We'll see how he deals with that. But that by no means would slow me down from making such a pick. He's a tremendous prospect.
3: More locked on NFL draft special coming up. The Washington Redskins are now on the clock with the second selection.
1: All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Be sure to check out the Locked On NFL all week long. Episode 1 features picks 1 through 6, and Episode 2 will be picks 7 through 13. On our next show, we will be talking about a mock draft roundup involving all five Longhorns who are looking to make the jump to the NFL. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Go listen to the Locked On NFL now, and we will talk to you on Wednesday.
2: Okay